Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. We're going to do something a little different today. Uh, we did our game preview yesterday for Rutgers versus uh, Virginia Tech, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, thanks again to David Cunningham for coming on. Uh, late, late last night, Richie put up a cut-up of every throw from Gavin Wimsett versus Temple. We're going to do a little tape breakdown, go through every throw, talk about what we're seeing, uh, talk about where he, he's done really good things, talk about where he can improve. Um, and then after that, we're going to go and do a bit of a 2024 basketball recruiting update. Richie's got some new intel on East Bailey, basically the whole class of 2024, and top target Dylan Harper. So stick around for that for basketball fans. And we really haven't talked about basketball recently because uh, football is doing really well so far, and it's football season, so it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Anyway, so let's uh, let's kind of dive right into this. Uh, this will be our first time doing a largely screen shared. Uh, episode so let me just make sure i'm doing this right here all right rich you can see that right yeah all right perfect so i'm going to keep the sound off because cool. i don't really think we need it um, a sick intro all right <laughs> all right first throw of the game first and 10 12 minutes 15 seconds left on the clock I mean, yeah, you could just see it right away. That DB is just playing so off. Yep. Off coverage, out route to Christian Dremel for eight yards. Um, next throw here is third and eight from around the 50. Uh, Got to have it down. They really play off on Dremel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another tough contested catch there for Jaquay Jackson. Good throw. The DBs are continuing to play off, giving our receivers a lot of space. Uh, two great throws so far. Next play, second and nine from the Temple 21. Play action. Sails it over. I don't know. So this is the one that Christian Dremel got rocked. He he was dealing with a rib injury the rest of the game. There was a a play stoppage here. From watching it, and I'll go back again, I don't know if this is supposed to be intended for Dremel or if it's supposed to be intended for Isaiah Washington. Because if you look where he throws it here, obviously Dremel's wide open. If he throws it, throws that on a rope, it's first down. But he sails it a bit. Yeah, Washington's touchdown. Washington's a touchdown here. Throws it. I don't know if it's overthrown to Dremel, like I said, or underthrown to Washington. But either way, this is a <clears throat> bad throw. Second week in a row that Gavin puts his receiver in a dangerous position around multiple defensive backs. First week it was Jaquay Jackson. This week it's Christian Dremel. Yeah. And I don't know what Dremel's dealing with. I don't think he'll miss any time, but he's going to be dealing with some pain. See, now I think it was 10 and out, but if you see, obviously, he's he's more than 10 now, and he's reaching, so it does look like mm-hmm. it was overthrown. But yep. like you said, it's it's tough to say. Like, did did he fuck up? Did he? I mean, he fucked up, but did he, did he fuck up short? Did he fuck up long? <laughs> yeah. 
So that's the first bad throw of the game. Oh, um, God, he got nailed. That's a that's a touchdown for Washington if he catches it. I'm gonna throw a tidbit real quick. He's gonna be healthy. Go I for think. it. Gonna be healthy. I think so. Good to hear. Um, he, he, I think he came back in the game after two fucking series. I did. thought he broke a rib. <laughs> he but, he came back and he played a lot, but he he went down later in the game as well. Um, mm-hmm. on the side near the sideline. Um, so we have third and nine here from the Temple twenty-two. Um. I believe this is the slant to Washington. Oh, this is a screen to Washington. Really well executed yeah. play. Washington just coughs it up. That's three points at least. I don't know if they would have gone for it because if you look back, I think he goes yeah. down at around the 13-yard line. Now around the – let's call it the 14. So that would set up, what, a fourth and three from mm-hmm. Temple's 14-yard line. I don't think they – I think they would have taken the points here. I don't think they yeah, would have yeah. went for it on fourth down. Can you go, go back to the beginning again? Sure. Because Rochelle, like, I know it's a, uh, it's a, like a screenplay, but like Rochelle just shitty, shitty block. block. Yeah. Yep. And now, so I think that was, on the is block. that the guy that forced it too? It is the guy who forced it. So, yeah, so there you go. You're not <laughs> expecting a trail defender there because you're expecting your receiver to seal off that block and he doesn't. So he kind of hits him out of nowhere, punches the ball out. And uh, that's, Chifani, uh whiffed on a block too. Jesus. Yeah. So that's three points that you're giving up as a team, but thankfully the defense really kind of stiffened up all game. Uh, the defense is going to carry this team. Right? There's no yep. question about it. Yep. So what do we got here? We got first and 10 from the Rutgers 43. Get it out quick. Drummel's wide open. Mm-hmm. Boom. Play action. <clears throat> Tipped at the line, it looks like. So at this point, Gavin is three for five on the day for 31 yards. Um, and this is where Gavin just kind of has a, a re- probably the best stretch of the game for him. Who's the one uh, so down in the middle of the field? Mm-hmm. So we got second and 10 here from, again, the 43 of Rutgers. Nice pickup by Benjamin. Quay Jackson. Um, but he does put it where only the receiver can get to it along the sideline. Um, and that seems to be the kind of throws that Gavin's most comfortable with is the outbreaking stuff rather than the inbreaking stuff. Yeah. Uh, because really you're either throwing a completion to your, your receiver or it's going out of bounds. So yeah. Middle of the field. is just not his MO. Yep. So we got first and 10 here from the temple 32 or sorry, the temple 33. Davon fuse up there. Ian Strong, I can't tell. The top, right there. Yeah. Um, it's one of those I two. Can't tell. Yeah. I think it's Ian, who actually looks done. Oh, uh, this was one of the best throws of the day for Gavin, as you yeah. can see here. Temple looks like they get caught in you know a blown coverage. Sean Benjamin's wide open. You can see here. There's not anybody within 15 yards of the guy. That safety great throw by Gavin him. hits That's him so full bad. speed, and this was one of this is the play that Deshaun Benjamin had one of the fastest runs in all of college football this past yeah, weekend. I, think I believe four. he hit a max speed of twenty one point two miles an hour, um, and it looks like that it just looks like a car accident at the end. He slides, <laughs> he slides an additional ten to fifteen hurt. yards out of bounds. I mean, it's unfortunate too that they didn't call it a touchdown right away because he's just like mm-hmm. kind of writhing in pain on the ground, can't even celebrate. Uh, but great throw by Gavin there. Um, one of two really good throws 
uh, out of the backfield, um, mm-hmm. hitting a running back. So we got second and seven here from the Rutgers, 34. It was Ian Strong, by the way, because that's Ian Strong again. Ian Strong. Yeah. Okay. So this is the one, the one play that Gavin probably missed the most on. So if you look here, he throws a, a slant to Isaiah Washington. If you hit Isaiah Washington in stride here rather than away from his body, look at all the space he has in front of him here. Yeah. He's got nothing but green. He's probably got another, at minimum, 10 to 15 yards on this play. And if the, the if the DB takes a bad angle, this might be a house call. Yeah. But instead, it's just... Too. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just a, a nice completion for about, what, probably 14 yards? Something like that. So... It's a completion. It'll go on the stat sheet as, as a completion, but there's a lot that uh, a lot more that could have been had on that throw. So we got first and ten here from the Rutgers nineteen. <clears throat> Another play action pass. A pick up by Johnny. Yep, this is a great uh, outbreaking route by uh, Isaiah Washington. This is the one that came back um, due to a, a hold, but it was a great throw by Gavin. Hit his guy in stride. Uh, just one of his better throws in the day, in my opinion. So we got second and 20 here from the Rutgers nine-yard line. This is the Jaquay Jackson bomb. Yeah, um, and, on second, and on second and 20, it's that much more important that you make this completion. Best throw of the day, in my opinion, by Gavin. I don't know if I clipped this part, but he showed beforehand because they, they're like pre-snap takes forever. So mm-hmm. I just tried to clip it to make it a little bit shorter. And he, uh, he saw something like right away. He saw the coverage yep. and like went up to the line. He's like, Oh shit. never mind. Every, hold on, hold on, do this, do this, do this. Yep. So yeah, it was so really, really good adjustment. 61 yard bomb to <clears throat> just Quay Jackson. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of guy we didn't have last year. Yeah. That game stretching, you know, explosive receiver on the outside. Great throw by Gavin, right on the money, in stride. You can't say much more. That was a big-time throw. Imagine Jaquay with last year's wide receiver core. I mean, he'd be the wide receiver one by by far. we got second and 10 here from the Temple 30. So as if if you're watching at home, if you're not, uh, Gavin at this point is 8 for 10 for 142 yards and a touchdown. Um, I talked about this on the boards, but this is the the point of the game where the offense kind of started to slow down. Seven forty one left in the second quarter. Gavin throws seven uh, co- consecutive incompletions from here into the third quarter, just uh, to spoil a little bit for those uh, watching. Dude, what if I was watching on tape play? <laughs> <laughs> so second and ten. This is a, a high throw to Isaiah <clears throat> Washington. You know, you ideally make that catch, but. It's hard to overthrow Isaiah Washington. It was a, a, a curl route on the outside. Uh, just threw it probably a yard too high. Um, third and 10 back, here from... It goes back to like what McMahon was saying. Like If you throw it too hard, sometimes it's like it's way too hard and it's going to sail upward. And yep. It's kind of what you see there. Yep, so third and 10 here with 731 <clears throat> left in the second. Rutgers is on the Temple 30-yard line. 10 nothing game. Gavin throws to the middle of the field, targeting Christian Dremel, just nowhere near him. Um, That's a bad one. At least he put it in a position where nobody could catch it, because um, ideally you don't want to throw it directly to yeah, your defender either. But 
this is second and uh, first and 10 from the Rutgers 39 yard line, 20 seconds left on the clock in the second quarter. This is where they botched it completely. I thought. Yeah, I, think, I thought they should have. Well, well, not this I mean, exactly, but this drive. Like this they should have had a, a field goal here. This is a touchdown here. So Jaquay Jackson is, you know, Gone. blown past <laughs> the corner. The safety's trying to help out in coverage. Gavin overthrows it by, you know, ten yards out of bounds. Yeah. So we got first and ten here uh, from the or from the. Uh, the Rutgers, 44-yard line, seven seconds left. This is the Hail Mary. I don't hold this against yeah. them. Hail Mary no, is... But this is after they used that timeout, and it was a little questionable. I think they had a run play in yep. between that, too, and it's like, what What are we doing? Like, Yep. What I don't like about this play call, <clears throat> and maybe not the play call, but Gavin, just watch the shot he takes at the end of this play. You don't Shushy. need to take that no. shot. You run out of bounds. He's got to learn to just kind of live another day, and he's yeah. young. He will learn that. But that was a big shot that you know, that could have been another like rib injury. And then yeah. he's, you know, limited the rest of the season. But yes, yeah, you know, one talked about it. Like they were on what the 44, 43 or something like that. Yeah. The 43 yard line of Rutgers. just hit a 51 yarder. Your kicker just hit a 40 something yarder. Like you have seven seconds, throw a fucking route that goes along the sideline and try to get a field goal. Yeah. Get more points on the board. Yeah. You would think, but it's not what happened. Um, you would, you would probably need, 15 yards at least to that's set a, up. Yeah, that's such a thing that Shiano's always had troubles with, even like 1.0. Like his time management, his clock management is just not great at all. Well, even if even a 15 yard gain there sets up a 59 yard field goal. So you probably need you need a lot. A 20 like, yard gain. So that's not really not realistic. So I, shocking down the field when there's four safeties back there or four yeah. DBs. Yeah. It, it's in college, it's not really a realistic situation yeah. to set up a field goal. Now that I'm rewatching this again. Second and seven here, 13, 17 left on the clock in the third quarter. Uh, Gavin's drops back, throws to the middle of the field. That guy was open. That was a slant. He had Christian Drummel. He had to step on his, his uh, <clears throat> on the corner defending him. You got to mm-hmm. complete that. Setting up. Okay, so another drive. Second and 11. Gavin at this point is eight for 15. So like I said, this is another incompletion coming. Got to love the field position. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was after the fourth and turnovers, right? Yep. So Gavin's got a wide open Johnny Langan here. Throws it to the, you know, Ga- mm-hmm. uh, Johnny's breaking to the outside towards the sideline. He throws it towards the middle of the field. That was just a really, really bad throw. Yeah. Um, and he also put that in harm's way, too, because the defender, if, you know, you, if he broke on that a little bit earlier, that was one of the easiest pick sixes you'll have in your career as a football player. Yeah. We got first and 10 here from the Rutgers 12-yard line. Uh, that was just... Oh, no. That looked like there might have been a hold. Jaquay Jackson's asking for the flag. Yeah. Um, wasn't a terrible throw. I, that one That one you kind of don't put on anybody. That should have been a flag for a hold. Is this where they caught him? No. So this is third down here from the Rutgers 18-yard line. This should have been such a big chunk. They were so unprepared there. Yeah, that was was the hurry up. Christian Jumel gets an out route for about 12 yards, picking up the first down. Go go back to like the the beginning of that play, though. 
Sure. Because, like, look, this one's facing this way, this one's facing... Like, they're not even paying attention now, the defense. Yeah, so we're, we're going to run that back. The, they're they're but, confused. They got a right... They caught a guy running off the field. There's um, only a three-man rush. The fourth man comes in, like, two seconds later. Like, mm-hmm. So we got a third and nine here to Christian Dremel. This is the one that he ended up coming off the field again, shaking up, because yeah. he had to really extend. It was way over his head. It wasn't going to be a first down anyway. Uh, but if you look in the... Uh, on the outside here, Quay Jackson's open, but I mean, it's also because of the... right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bauman's open, but he's also got another five yards you yeah. have to go get. Um, yeah, but Jaquay right there, you're right. He's also got the, the running back leaking out of the backfield. Um, he had some options. He had I mean, some it, options. It, it's, still, it's still a chunk play. Yep. There was a flag on that play, too. I don't remember what the flag was called for. Uh, I think it was an illegal substitution on Temple. Okay. They didn't have enough or so, too many men on the field. Yep, so it didn't end up really mattering. Setting up a third and four from the Rutgers 37. Yevin puts Isaiah Washington in motion, realizes it's man coverage, and he's able to step away. I thought he did a great job avoiding the rush here. It's tough to say that he should have completed that with the, yeah. the defender hanging over all over his ankle. I thought it was impressive that he even got that ball off, even semi-accurately. Who's uh, the lineman in the backfield? Who like who left that up? I'm just curious. The Pierce. Um. Yep. Tell me, that looks like Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Yep. This might have been the one he got a call on, too. Did he get a holding call? Yeah, yeah I think he did. Yeah. But I think they declined it, setting up fourth down. Yeah. Uh, so we got, we've entered the fourth quarter here, 1451. This is right after Temple had scored, I believe. Yep, this is right after yeah. Temple had scored. Um, so this is where I felt they started to kind of turn themselves back on as an offense and started to be aggressive again. Uh, so first and 10 from the 25. Play action. Jaquay Jackson just gets wide open once again. Perfect throw. Gets out of bounds. And I believe from uh, there to now, you notice we've moved quite a bit on the field, and that's because Kyle Minogai was just running all over them. Uh, They scored a rushing touchdown. This was the two-point conversion attempt. Um, That was incomplete. Or it wasn't incomplete, but it was unsuccessful to uh, Rochelle. Rochelle. I thought he could have tried to extend here, like right at the end, but he yeah. didn't. Um, I believe that there was a, a turnover, pick. Yeah. Yep, a pick that set this up, and there were some runs in between. So it's third and goal here from the Temple five-yard line. Rutgers is up 19-7, to 10-12 left on the clock. This is where the Temple DB steps up, right? Where there's like a little mm-hmm. question. Yeah, this was the clear DPI on Washington in the corner. Gavin actually throws a good ball here, but the DB doesn't even really turn around. He puts his hands all over Washington. Washington's got one arm being held down by the DB. The ref is right there. I don't know how that wasn't DPI. I don't put that on Gavin. That was a good throw. They just didn't call it. Uh, So it's third and seven here at the Temple 29-yard line. 6.33 left in the clock. Rutgers is up 22-7. to This is one you, you... you kind of want to have, especially because later in the season you're going to need plays like this against better opponents. 
and Gavin drops back, throws a perfect pass to Sam Brown, setting up a very eerily similar play to what Deshaun Benjamin saw earlier in the game. So that was kudos to <clears throat> kudos to Kirk Soraka seeing that mismatch again and calling the same play um, because Temple clearly hadn't made an adjustment and Rutgers took advantage. So that's all the, the throws from Gavin on Saturday. <clears throat> I think it's helpful just to kind of see them all and discuss them all to really get a feel of how he did. I thought he had a good game. There were some clear things that he could clean up on tape, and that'll come as the season goes on. You miss some some wide-open players, um, but he hasn't turned the ball over. He's put the ball in harm's way very infrequently, so you can't deny that he's made improvements from last year yeah. to this year. Yeah, I just course. think, as you can see, there's still a ways to go, and that's not a bad thing. That just mm -hmm. shows that there's more untapped ceiling to his game. Um, I just love I, the fact they're using our running backs as weapons in the pass game for yeah. a change. <laughs> like, and it, I it's totally clear agree. Benjamin's good at it. Like we saw Manongai earlier in the year. Uh, Sam Brown, good pass catcher. Like it's nice. It's just nice to see for a change. Although Sam Brown on that that one catch was a little, he looked a little weird on that run. Maybe his, I'm crazy. His gate, his gate looked a little weird. Um, yeah. And I mean, in fairness, I don't think we saw a whole <laughs> lot of him like long striding last year, basically just right. not having defenders around him. It's mostly been him up the middle or him, you know, breaking a tackle. So mm -hmm. it's tough to say if it looks much different from last year, but it did look a little strange, but um, yeah. glad to see he's healthy. Really happy for him to get back on the field yeah. and score a touchdown. I think he scored a touchdown the following play in that drive. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because they gave him the one yard, the one yard thing. And then yep. the, the running backs overall, man, that running back room is deep. And Salam is. comes in. And Salam runs what mm -hmm. six times for a touchdown? Like I think it's arguably the deepest group on the team. When you, you look at Sam Brown, Aaron Young, Kyle Manungai, Deshaun Benjamin, and Alshadi Salam, that's five legitimate weapons in the Big Ten. And I, honestly, there's not many Big Ten teams in general who can really boast that. Yeah. Certain teams where like you know maybe the fifth best Ohio State running back doesn't even play, but he would play at you know every other school. But in terms of guys who actually get on the field, Ruck, it's you know Rutgers is right up there at, at running back. Yeah. Uh, question. I thought that was that. I think that went better than I expected. We should do that every week. Um, is there anything else football related you wanted to discuss before we hop into basketball recruiting? Got a couple things. Um, the scene sure. Brantley. Um, the issue with his eligibility. So if you look back, he technically. I have to pull this up again. God damn it. Um, <clears throat> Seam Brantley started out at what Sacred Heart. So do the math real quick. There's more. There's more than just Western Illinois being a pain in the ass right now. 2019, he played five games. That's one year one. So it doesn't count as a redshirt. Yep. 20 or that's 2018. I'm sorry. 2019, he played in 10 games. So that's two. That was weird. That was weird too. Why did you do it with your thumb? Um, 2021 was COVID because it was spring 2021 when they yep. played. So that doesn't count. Then they played fall 2021, so that's three. And here's where the eligibility issue is, I think, because you count that 20, the 2020 season is supposed to be free, but they did 2021, so that's where it's weird with the, the NEC and all those other weird ones. But they played back-to-back -back seasons in that same year, so that's where it's weird. That's three. 2022 would be four. That would be at Western Illinois, and then 2023 would be five. That'd be five years of playing, not counting the six would be the – the uh the COVID year or COVID spring. 
So I think that's where the issue lies most in. And then it sounds like Western Illinois is not doing really any favors. And that's kind of, I feel like why Greg mentioned, he's like, he had a significant leg break and it's like, Mm -hmm. I wonder why we're talking about that. Because probably I can't imagine Western Illinois rehab is that good. I mean, like I said last time, I think their coaches get paid similar to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Uh, it disconnected for a sec. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the Brantley issue is going to be solved. I think it's going to be denied. I don't know if he'll be eligible next year. That's the big question mark. If he is, great. If not, then damn. That sucks. Yep. Um, other thing, we did the tape review. Jaylene Matthews. He um, did commit it from Penn State the other day. Tom's River North uh, High School kid, number one kid in state, I believe, for 2025. Uh, looking around uh nil is a big thing for him and his recruitment there's no question about that sounds like georgia has the biggest uh offer i would say on the table right now uh i do think he's going to end up at georgia i don't think that's a secret but Rutgers is pushing so we will see what happens there he is interested in the idea of staying home and that would be a hell of a fucking kickstart to the class not only are you picking up a decommitment from penn state you're picking up the number one kid in the state early and i think he's number 70 overall for our rankings so that's also pretty big. And then uh, <clears throat> other than that, last thing real quick, 2026 rankings came out for the top 100 yesterday. Yes, 2026. Uh, yes, that is 14 years past my high school graduation day. That's kind of wild. Um, that's probably nothing compared to some of the people that are listening in this pod. <laughs> but uh, no offense. No, um, but that's 2026 is wild. Like that's insane. Yeah, it's uh 19 years past mine. So, ah, geez. Well, I made you feel old now too. Um, there's only two significant names I noticed. Um, Preston Carey, New York, St. Anthony's kid. Uh, Rutgers building a good connection there between Corey Duff, Ian Strong, both committed. Both uh, well, one signed, one's gonna sign. Uh, but yeah, Preston Carey's a big name kid. But there's rumors he's gonna go down to IMG. So keep an eye on that. Um, got every offer in the country. I think he's at 46, 43, one of those two. And then the, uh, the other one would be Jordan Thomas. Doesn't have a Rutgers offer yet. Not that Jordan Thomas, different Jordan Thomas. He's at Bergen Catholic, DB, one of their top guys right now, um, playing opposite of, uh, not opposite, playing corner while Kosh Sanders plays up top at safety. But, uh, yeah, those are the two names to keep an eye on for 2026. And uh, moving on to basketball. Yeah, so you've gotten some really great intel over the past few days regarding uh, Rutgers' 24 class recruiting. Uh, you posted it to the board, uh, I believe, on, what, Tuesday? You posted a pretty juicy update. Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. I lose track of the days now. Like, it's, it's yeah. not fun. <laughs> so let's first start off with uh, the updates to the members in the current class. So let's talk Ace Bailey. Where is his... So they're trying to get the entire 2024 class to visit over homecoming weekend. Correct. Uh, And you have some confirmed visitors for that weekend. So just talk about the confirmed visitors we have for homecoming weekend uh, for the 24 class for basketball. So technically, if you took an official visit in spring, you were allowed to take an official visit in fall. Totally different academic year, academic calendar, yada, 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 yada. So it works really well for hoops recruits because they can take an official visit to Rutgers and take another official visit to Rutgers. Uh, For football, that's not the case. I think you're only allowed to take one per school, but you still have unlimited visits, so it doesn't really matter. 
Um, I was talking to Lathan Somerville. I was talking to Bryce Dorch the other day, and both of them were like, hey, we're going to campus October. We're going there for the homecoming weekend. And I was like, oh, cool, perfect. And I was like, you know what? I'd be dumb not to reach out to everyone and just see, make sure. So yep, reached out to a couple people, and then I'm like, oh, shit, Ace Bale is going to be there too. That makes a lot more sense. And then still waiting to hear back from Dylan Grant. So technically he can't take an official, I don't think, because his was August. But I don't yep, know I think how the that calendar works. turnover is July first. If I remember <clears throat> yeah, correctly, so I, he can take an unofficial. Which yep. I mean, at this point, I always find it wild. Like, and this is just me going off track a little bit, but I always find it wild. Like these kids are like, yeah, you know, I can't, I can't like get on an unofficial visit. I need to take an official, and I'm like, dude, you're getting free college no matter where you go. Like, you, yeah, there's got to be a college fund somewhere for you, and it's just got to be like, screw it, use it now. I'm getting free college. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I would assume they're going to try to get Dylan Grant there too, but nothing is official from him yet. That's when I think Dylan's going to try to visit too, it sounds like. It sounds like he wants to visit Rutgers in October. Um, Homecoming weekend makes the most sense. It's October 13th. You have every Rutgers alum, Rutgers. Anything that anyone that has to do with Rutgers will be there because it's homecoming. That's just how it works. So it makes a lot of sense. Now the bad news is that there's rumors of Dylan going to Kansas the week before for, uh, they call it late night in the fog. It's like midnight madness, but yep, whatever. Uh, Cooper flags visiting that weekend. Cooper flag and him have been spending a ton of time together on all these camp circuits, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they were at the Under Armour game. They were at the team USA. Uh, what's, what's that other thing? Um, Rucker park. Um, yep. Mind you, I was told um, if you watch, if you look back, those stats aren't completely accurate for Cooper Flag, but it's besides the point. At Rucker, <laughs> apparently inflated a little bit, <clears throat> but it's besides the point. Whatever, you got to inflate the number one recruit stats if you're at Rucker, I guess. Whatever, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the rumor is he's going to go to Kansas that weekend, and then Rucker's the weekend after. Neither is set in stone, so mind you, these aren't confirmed dates. But they are working out that. He also is supposed to go to Auburn sometime um, in September. Uh, there's one rumor saying that it's going to start be uh, a visit starting tomorrow. There's another that might be the week after, the 22nd, 23rd, whatever it is. So although it sounds like Auburn is not much of a threat at all whatsoever, even if they do get a visit, it's just more of a formality. He just wants to go visit. Bruce Pearl makes is a great recruiter. Mind you, I know everyone's going to be like, yeah, he's only a good recruiter because he cheats. But no, he's a good recruiter at the end of the day. I'll give him that. Um, so, well, that's that's kind of the latest on Dylan. We're kind of just waiting at this point. And it's like, TikTok, kind of getting tired of it. Yeah, but, I mean, it'll be good. Based on that schedule, Rutgers would get the final official visit, assuming he doesn't take another to Duke or another to Indiana because – the visit for Rutgers would be October 13th to the 15th, I believe. That's homecoming yes. weekend. Yeah. And I, I know I've talked about this with some people. Um, you know, Rutgers might be in a position where they get bowl eligible that day if the season goes the way that, you know, the optimists in the crowd uh, think it might go um, in terms of Rutgers taking care of business in the out-of-conference and maybe uh, winning some games that they might be an underdog in on their schedule against opponents who aren't looking as good as you would have expected them to at the beginning of the year. Looking at you, Michigan State. I'm looking yeah. at you, Wisconsin. No confidence um, in Michigan. 
Kidding. So I mean, I know it's. It, yeah, I think yeah. they might be the best I, team in the country, but that's besides the point. They might be, and depending on the line <laughs> that comes out next week, I, I might be hit, making a pretty hefty bet on Rutgers in that game. But we we'll see, I guess. But I mean, that, I think I think October thirteenth will be the eighth game of the season for Rutgers, if I remember correctly, because you got the two we've already played. Then you got Virginia Tech this weekend. You got uh, Michigan following. Then you got Wagner. Then you got Wisconsin, and then you got. So I guess that would that be game seven. Yeah, game seven. Game seven, and then you play Indiana. I think the following week. Correct, I believe. Yes. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so it would be the seventh game. So my, most likely, you're not getting bowl eligible that day. Uh, I, I take that back. In the pie in the sky world, maybe you do, but in the realistic world, you don't. Um, but still, it'll be a good atmosphere. If Rutgers is. Let's just say uh, four and two going into that game, or five and one. That, the crowd will be there, um, especially because I don't think Mel I Tucker think it's won't. one of Mel Tucker won't. That's true. Um, Rutgers Michigan State is one of the more low key rivalries, low key that, that it actually exists in the Big Ten. I think Rutgers fans absolutely hate Michigan State, um, mainly due to the fact that Mel Tucker is just a douchebag. He's a heel, and he stole a lot of. Rucker's uh, mantras, and you know, he kind of just you know rubbed it in our faces a few times. So, uh, yeah, that would be a great a great day to have uh, visitors on campus. Probably a sellout, um, big game atmosphere. Um, and so we'll see how things go. I think you've said it best. Uh, if if he does make a visit to Kansas, that's when we can start worrying. We've already kind of talked about why that's such an issue. One being Bill Self. He's one of the best recruiters in the country. Kansas has some of the deepest pockets in the country. Don't Kansas is also in Adidas school. And Adidas, like we've said, has been making a big push to help its member schools in the NIL sphere. And if it's got two NIL, if it's got two schools uh, that are both Adidas, as you know, maybe two of the top ones, that kind of negates the advantage um, for Rutgers there. So we'll see. Yeah. You still, I still feel confident. What's your confidence level with Rutgers ending up landing Dylan right now? Mm, it's a big number, but I don't know how big. I'd probably say like over 90% still. Like I'm still very confident. Even if he does visit Kansas, it doesn't really make a threat to me because I, I do think Rutgers is in prime position. We've been told mom wants Dylan to stay home. We know the grandparents want to, want Dylan to stay home. We know dad's kind of leaning towards another school that isn't even really in the conversation anymore in Duke. Um, and it sounds like a certain uh, person in his corner that involved with getting a percentage of what he would make is pushing the big name school that has the most money. No shit. Like, yeah. So I, I think he might visit Kansas, and I think that's okay. I think people are going to sweat for that weekend, the entire weekend, because they're going to be like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yep. <laughs> um, but he's uh, – I, I do think he still ends up at Rutgers. I don't think there's a question there. Yeah, I do too. I think there's – Rutgers has been involved too long. They have so much <clears> – they have such a good relationship with the family, with Dylan himself, and uh, they've – Put in the time. Like they've been the only school really to be at every single one of his games that were attendable, as in mm-hmm. they were in the live period and not in the dead period. Um, so I still see them ending up with with Dylan, um, but it seems like you know he just wants to play this process out a little bit more. Like you said, 
there's some people in his corner who want him to slow down and really kind of be more th- methodical and maybe take some other things into account that aren't necessarily about on the court items. Uh, we'll put it that way. So moolah, moolah, baby. Anyway, all right, guys, I think that's kind of it. Is Ooh. there anything else you want to hit on before you sign off? Yeah. Yeah. We're not done with hoop shit. Are we? Um, we didn't, I didn't mention the Ace Bailey thing. Um, Pike and Pike and Knight went down to where they were going to Atlanta for some kind of Jim Calhoun induction ceremony because the man's just a legend that he just gets inducted somewhere every weekend. Um, But on their way down, they stopped in a place that's only an hour and a half away, which I learned that the other day. Learned something new every day. Um, They made a pit stop in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is apparently an hour and a half from Atlanta. I don't know if that math adds up, but that's what I was told um, to see the Bailey family. Knight and uh, Pykel stopped in, said what's up, hung out for a few. Um, good to get just in the good graces of the parents, make sure everything's status quo. Um, I know after talking to a couple sources, it sounded like that meeting went really well. Um, I know everyone, including the Bailey family, is very excited for the upcoming season. Ace wants that champ- that state championship more than anything right now. And um, he's going to get uh, some really good competition to start the season. There's uh, rumors they're trying to schedule Montverde against McGee Churn right now. Um, nothing set in stone. It sounds like Montverde is the one that's actually backing off a little bit, which, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I'm sure they have probably a crazy national schedule. So I'm sure everyone's probably trying to schedule the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have two set dates. Well, not, well, one set date, one set game. Uh, early December, they're going to start off by going to Chattanooga, Tennessee to play against a big name opponent that has still not been announced yet. That's going to be a cool kind of homecoming type thing for Ace. Um, because I know everyone sees him as a Georgia prospect. He is actually a Tennessee native. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think that's December 8th or 9th or something like that. And then they will head down to Florida for December 19th in the City of Palms Classic in Fort Myers. They will face off against, um, what's that team? Don Bosco Prep. Um, they have this really good 2025 center. Um, and Oh, and they have Dylan Harper, too. Um, so that would be cool to watch Dylan and Ace go at it. Uh, I don't know if they'd actually guard each other. Probably not, I had to guess. But eh, maybe a couple plays. You never know. But I'm we're, we're, we're working on something there. Might might just uh, might have some live streams or something going on there. You never know. But that's it. That's all I got. Um, there was a, one other thing too. Uh, this oh. is a wrestling recruiting news item. Yes, I have something else um, after that. You go. Is it basketball related? If it's basketball, why don't you do it gambling? Out? Gambling related. Gambling. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so wrestling related, uh, Rutgers had a big time visitor um, in the past week. Anthony Knox, the uh, soon-to-be junior wrestler out of St. John Vianney, two-time state champion um, in the state of New Jersey. Uh, he's trying. He's on pace to be. <clears throat> he's trying to be one of uh, only I think one or two four-time uh, state champions in the state of New Jersey. He's the number four overall pound-for-pound wrestler in the class of 2025, the number one at his weight class. He visited Rutgers. What are you hearing with him and his recruitment, and what what chances do you give Rutgers in this one? Um, So I talked to our wrestling guy, Lex. He told me that right now it's between Rutgers and Cornell. Um, It does sound like Cornell is pretty much in the lead there. Cornell is – I forget what he said. He said something – oh. 
she said there's probably about a 30, 35% chance that Rutgers could land him. So that that's higher odds than I expected. But um, it does sound like he is a Cornell lead at the moment. So we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. Um, right now, I I don't. But the fact that he's on campus recently could have changed a couple of things. Um, this info's couple days old now so it's like we'll have to learn more as it as it develops but recruiting's weird recruiting could change in a minute could change in an hour we're hyping up the whole deal in the Rutgers train that could change tomorrow that could change as soon as we end this spot like this recruiting changes literally hourly at this point so as of right now it sounds like uh Knox is leaning towards Cornell but the recent Rutgers visit has definitely helped their chances Love to hear that. Uh, let's talk uh, some gambling. You wanted to, to uh, yeah, see, so go into pe- that? Yeah, people wanted to ask us about our picks since, you know, you got to brag about your winnings on our, our post-game pods. I mean, hey, by well, all means, brag about it. You got to. Um, so, all right, I'll give you guys three picks that I feel good about this weekend. Um, well, well, I just want to make sure. That- let's hold on a sec. Let's, let's hear what, what you had to say. If you didn't watch the post-game pod, let's talk about your your, your big wins first. All right, let's do it. So last week, uh, obviously week one of NFL, uh, week two of college football. Um, I think early in the season is a great opportunity if you're really paying attention to to have an edge on the field. Um, I think Rutgers will continue to get uh, some shade thrown its way from the gambling community because they just have seen Rutgers for the last decade be uh, a team that you can't really rely on, a team that's not very good. I think this Rutgers team is better than a lot of uh, national people are expecting. Um, I think you see that the gambling tides start to turn Rutgers' way when you see that line movement that happened this week. So the line opened, Rutgers' temple at three, three and a half, mm-hmm. has since climbed all week. It is now, I believe, sitting at six and a half. Um, so I was on Rutgers heavily to start the season. I had Rutgers in the money line. Obviously, you guys saw my or not money line. Rutgers uh, spread. Weeks one and two, you guys saw that with my predictions. Both of those hit. Um, I was kind of, as a lot of people were, kind of in a wait-and-see mood with Colorado. Um, Week one, I didn't expect them to go into TCU and and win that game. I don't think many people did. They were a 20-point underdog. Um, They came out on top. One of the strangest lines of the season, in my opinion, will be the week two Colorado-Nebraska game. Colorado was only a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Nebraska, if you're listening to kind of any of the national buzz about what was going on there in Boulder, the, it was just palpable. Like they were talking about comparisons to the, the early 90s when they won a national title with the amount of buzz that was in the city. Um, and quite frankly, Nebraska didn't look very good opening week. They turned the ball over three times against a bad team. I don't, I don't remember who they played week one, um, but it was clear that Jeff Sims was turnover prone. Uh, Shooter Sanders, Shooter Sanders was the complete opposite of that. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception yet. Um, they just—I didn't see how they weren't going to win that game by you know less than double digits, honestly. Um, and it, early on in the game, it was ugly. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, it, neither team really scored a whole lot to start the game, but then, similar to how Rutgers games have gone, they just kind of slowly blew open a big lead. Um, so that was my other big leg last week that I hit. I, I teased that one up all the way to nine and a half from a two and a half point uh, spread. Anyway, so this week, I really like Rutgers. I think the the Sharps are on Rutgers this week. Um, I think 
some of the guys that we expected to be out this week for Virginia Tech are going to actually play. So I think Grant Wells is probably most likely to play. That's their quarterback. Their number two receiver, Jalen Lane, uh, who had a hamstring injury last week, is probably going to play. Their tight end, Dante Wright, who got hurt last week, is probably going to play. Their star safety, Nasir Peoples, probably isn't going to play. So uh, you have arguably the best player on their offense, Nolly Jennings, not playing. And you have arguably the best player on their defense, and Nasir Peoples, not playing. Um, I just see this one as Virginia Tech can't run the ball for two main reasons. One, their offensive line is terrible. Two, their quarterback, Grant Wells, they run a similar offense to Rutgers, but Grant Wells is really bad at the RPO. So he's really bad at reading the edge defender, and he handed the ball off to his running back at least half a dozen times on Saturday against Purdue when the defender was literally like in the backfield already, like literally in the face of the running back where Grant Wells should have taken the ball and either kept it or thrown it himself, and the back should, could have gone into pass protection. and. Grant Wells, from what I've heard from Virginia Tech people, I've listened to a lot of their, their content this week. Uh, this has been a longstanding issue. He just doesn't really run that system well, Grant Wells. And so that's a part of the reason why their running game sucks. Uh, if, if their running game sucks, if they can't get that going, Rutgers could just play in, you know, some kind of uh, like 5DB shell all game and take away the pass. Uh, obviously, they have, from what I understand, they have a pretty deep receiver room. But I just don't see them, if they can't run the ball at all, Rutgers is going to just feast on them. Their offensive line's terrible. Their quarterback's hobbled. I think this is a game where we're going to see a few turnovers. We're going to see some balls step to the line that are turned into inter- interceptions because we had 13 pass deflections last week against Kurt, or EJ Warner. And we had two picks that were basically thrown right to defenders. But most of the time, some of those tip balls, like, those end up being caught by the defense. So I see this one as a game Rutgers covers easily. Um, and the other two picks I have this week are in the NFL. So apologies. Um, yeah, I, I really like San or not San Diego. I really like the chargers this week. So the chargers are playing on the road against Tennessee. Um, and this is a game where Tennessee just, if you watch the game last week against New Orleans, they couldn't do anything on offense. Ryan Tannehill was missing guys left and right. He threw a bunch of picks. I believe that they had five. Uh, they had five field goals. They didn't score a single touchdown. The Chargers played a total shootout with the Dolphins in in Los Angeles. It was a back and forth game. It came down to who scored last, and that was the Dolphins. I just don't see the the Titans being able to keep up with the Chargers offensively. I think eventually the Chargers are going to just take over that game. I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means, but I think the Chargers win, win that game on the road and cover the three-point spread. The other game I like, and uh, sorry to all the Jets fans out there, and I'm sorry to Craig. I feel terrible for you guys. I, I can't, like, there's... The Jets are, like, the only franchise something like that could happen to. Burn MetLife. Um, burn it to the ground. I don't want to see it. Giants fans don't like it. Jets fans hate it now. Just burn it to the ground. <laughs> So you saw on last Sunday, um, Giants fans, I'll, I'll give you guys some you know time to commiserate too. Giants got beat 40 to nothing at home against remember. these Dallas Cowboys. I don't see a world in which Zach Wilson keeps them close. No. Like They're going to try and run the ball against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have an awesome run defense. They have an awesome front seven. <clears throat> They've moved 
Micah Parsons to a full-time edge rushing role as a uh, a defensive end. I just don't see any way that the Jets can do anything on offense. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Like the over/under set at 38 and a half, and the Jets are nine and a half point underdogs. So if you do the math there, I think that Vegas is expecting the Jets to score. What would that be? Like less than fourteen points. I don't see how they hit yeah. fourteen points. Period. Like the Jets have a great defense too, but at some point these Cowboys are just gonna take this game over. Zach Wilson's gonna do Zach Wilson things and turn the ball over. I don't see any way that the Jets even come close in this one. And it is a big spread at nine and a half, but I think the Cowboys cover. Those are my three picks this week. Cowboys right. nine and a half, Chargers minus three, and Rutgers minus six and a half. All right, I gotta pick your brain about one thing, and we'll, we'll stick. It. We'll start with the NFL tonight. Big game. Vikings Eagles. The yep. spread just dropped to minus five and a half. I'm looking at it was seven and a half yesterday. What, what, I'm what, seeing six and I, a half. But am I crazy? Like, are Eagles easily going to cover that or what? Um, so the Eagles are already <laughs> dealing with some early season injuries. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is not going to play tonight. He was the, yeah. the back who got the majority of the work against the Patriots on Saturday or on Sunday. Like six backs. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that because I think Rashad Penny's kind of a better back anyway. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. recovering from an injury, but uh, they they have a deep backfield, so I'm not worried about that. Reed Blankenship is one of the starting safeties who will not play tonight either. He got banged up a bit in uh, Sunday night's game or Sunday afternoon's game. Um, they have one other key player who's also going to miss the game. But, I mean, if you watched any of the game on sa- Sunday, the Eagles versus the Patriots, they were getting so much interior pressure all game. Mm-hmm. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, and the Vikings just announced that Garrett Bradbury, their starting center, will be out this week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, primetime Kirk has always been an issue. Uh, for whatever reason, he's just not great in primetime. Um, you don't say. He's going to be facing a ton of interior pressure. I think the Eagles win. This is kind of a, a stay away for me, though. Wow. Um, yeah. They, the other guy they, the Eagles lost was their starting middle <clears throat> linebacker, Nicobe Dean. Um, I think record. Or, I'm sorry. I think the Eagles win, but. I this is a stay away. I'm not betting on this game in terms of spread personally. Fair enough. Um, I do have to say, I know, I know you're you're the gambling guy here. I'm, I'm going to throw you some picks here, and let me know what you think about them. Um, Penn State minus fourteen and a half versus Illinois. Um, I think they're pit. Well, hear hear me out for my reasoning at least. Good um, I think Franklin is out for blood. The man put out fucking 63 points against Delaware and had the starters in until like four minutes left of the game, mm-hmm. maybe six minutes. Um, also, last time the two teams played each other, Illinois came to State College and beat the hell out of them. 2018. Well, was, was that the like seven to nine overtime game? Is that the one I'm thinking of? No, this was the 22. It was the 2021. So I think it was that game, but it was the, the game finished 20 to 18, I should say. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think Illinois is very good this year. Like, they barely beat a, quite frankly, bad Toledo team at home. Nine um, overtimes, by the way. Nine overtimes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, maybe Toledo's not that bad. They beat the <laughs> an FCS opponent seventy-one to three, but they lost at Kansas this past weekend. Kansas obviously is a lot better this year. Well, Kansas I think started six and zero last year, but then they lose their star quarterback Jalen Daniels. Uh, he's back. Um, I mean, I just think, I think Penn State is the second best team in the Big Ten this year. Um, they deserve their top ten ranking as much as that really pains me to admit. 
Yeah. Uh, but this is their first road. This is Drew Aller's first road game as a starter. Mm-hmm. It's a noon kick. Um, I think they should cover that number, but it's not a game that I would be betting. I'm personally going to be betting on this week. Gotcha. See, um, now I, I really like it just because, like I said, he's out for blood. He knows if you need to make the college football playoff with one loss or even potentially two losses, you have to put up mm-hmm. points against people. They yeah. factor in points now. Um, and I think after between that and between Illinois beating the shit out of them in State College, or not beating the shit out of them, but beating them as a shitty team in State College two years ago, yeah, I think he's pissed off. And uh, fun fact, game-winning quarterback that day was a guy who went 8 of 19 for 38 yards in interception and Rutgers fan favorite, Art Sikowski. Art Sikowski. Shower. How the yeah, that fuck was the, that game is insane. Well, that was the Chase Brown game. Yeah. Chase Brown just had like how many yards in that one? 223 touchdown on 30 carries. Mm-hmm. And then the backup had 24 for 1.2. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't even like they were running anything too complex. They were just like running the same plays and Penn State couldn't stop them. It's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. My Now, my other two picks right now, I, I know the Mac has this 16-year-long streak of defeating a Big, a Big Ten team, which mm-hmm. is just fucking insane. But it won't be this week. Or not, not a Big Ten. Um, I'm, I, they do have that streak, but I'm fucking up now because I'm mixing up Iowa and Iowa State. Ohio plays Iowa State. Iowa State's only um, barely a favorite, and I, I think money line is probably the safe one there because it's minus one sixty-five. I mm-hmm. think you can close to double your money there. I don't think Ohio's good. I think Iowa State's decent. They put up a fight against Iowa, who has one of the better defenses in the country last week, and then Ohio beat but not too convincingly beat Long Island University last weekend. So I don't think that's really a good team and a good Ohio team. And uh, they're already three weeks into the season. So they're, they're a little bit uh, more seasoned, I guess, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. Probably got a little more dings and bruises. But I don't know. I like Iowa State in that one a lot. Yeah, they played all over the country. They started their season off uh, in week zero playing San Diego State in San Diego. They lost that one by <laughs> a score of 20 to 13. They played the next week at home versus LIU. Like you said, 27 to, to 10 was the score there. Mm-hmm. And they traveled down to Boca Raton to play Boca the uh, to play the Tom Herman-led uh, Florida Atlantic Owls, and they lost. Uh, they actually beat them 17 to 10. So, yeah, they're not terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's it's just one I kind of like. And then my final one is another former Rutgers connection, uh, PJ Fleck. I really like Minnesota versus North Carolina. I know North Carolina has a great offense. They have a great quarterback in Drake May, who uh, I think who ended up just beating um, Spencer Rattler and South Carolina recently. But this Minnesota defense is phenomenal. They're only allowing eight points yep. per game. Um, I know their offense fucking stinks. Like you got rid of Kirk and you lose your offense pretty much. Matt Simon's not the guy yep. for offensive coordinator after multiple Rutgers fans were calling for him to be the offensive coordinator. Um, he hasn't been good so far. He's only averaging 19 points per game, but their defense is keeping him in it. This is a basically typical um, Shiano type team where the offense stinks and the defense is great. Uh, but yeah, I think their defense is going to be able to hold Drake may and hold UNC a little bit and plus seven and a half. I, I do think they end up covering that one. I think it's going to be close, but I, I just don't see UNC as big of a threat without Phil Longo running the show. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise that they had so much trouble with App State last week. Um, I mean, they should have lost that game. App State, if, if that's you, what it was last week. Yeah, yeah. If you were if you were watching that one, App State um, had the ball late late in the game, um, and uh, they 
they were winning 34 to uh or sorry they, they tied the game late i'm messing up here uh, mm-hmm. they had a, they had a, a lead in the fourth quarter and they just couldn't hold on to it um <clears throat> but yeah i was a little surprised at that one yeah so but, i i do think i like minnesota there plus seven and a half right now it might have changed since then but <laughs> i saw it earlier this week at plus seven and a half and then uh ruckers we got an over under four finally 39 with no, 37 and a half, if I just read that. Really? Yeah, Rutgers has hit the under in both of their games, and they've also hit the spread in both of their games. I don't know how I feel about that, because I did pick 24-13, so I'm like, that kind of, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm smart sometimes. But I think you picked that too, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you did, right? 24-10, 24-13? Something like that, I I need to start prepping my my predictions a little earlier because half the time when I say on the pod is a little different than when I write up for uh, the the uh, the war room. Yeah. So, but it'll be around there. I think Rutgers will cover. I think Rutgers will cover comfortably. I just don't have an exact score off the top of my head. Yeah. At the moment. No, I think they cover. It's the over under. That's just I wouldn't even touch. Like because yeah, Rutgers defense could shut them out, and it could be just twenty four nothing. That's it. Game over. Yeah, could be. So all right, that was a long. Uh, betting segment but it worked you know we're, yeah, we're trying no, something different people wanted it and we're giving the people what they want yeah hopefully these picks uh help you guys out this weekend um, Hope everything hits hope everything hits hope uh hope Rutgers takes that dub down so i, I actually had a uh a two-leg parlay jets money line and Rutgers spread um uh, that i thought was dead about four plays into monday night's game and somehow uh woke up to it being alive so <laughs> Uh, that'd be a nice little, nice little uh, hit there, um, but we'll sh- we shall see. Uh, so that's that's all we got, guys. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already, please rate and review. We are still looking for a title sponsor of the podcast. So if you have a business and would like to to talk about us about a sponsorship, we are kind of open to a lot of things. I'll wear your uh, business. We're still hat. looking for that. Every yeah, every your, single pod, like just yeah, put we'll it put forward. Some, some swag behind us. Nice, we'll do nice it all. That that could be your logo right there. That could be your, <laughs> your logo. logo. Yep. So we we have a presentation deck um, if anyone is interested. Uh, but for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Network Report Podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.